Well, we are continuing, uh, as we as we talked last week, we're continuing to set the stage for. I'm going to get this timer started. Not that I pay much attention to it. Uh, for our role in the earth, uh, and I, I guess part of this started in my heart when I began to see how distressed or how frightened people were when the elections didn't turn out the way they wanted them to. I'm talking about elections, not just a single election. And that really, that really concerns me when we as followers of Jesus Christ see elections as our solution. Uh, that's the last thing we ought to look to for a solution. I mean, we all have a, we all have a, as we live in America and we function as Americans, we all have a way we want things to turn out. We all have a way and we all, we all have a candidate in each particular election that we want to see elected and we should, but that's secondary. Primarily, it's the kingdom of God establishing or being established in the earth that changes men and women's hearts. And, and really we, we define the kingdom of God. Uh, this is a very simple explanation, but the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ in the hearts of men and women. That's, that's simply what it is. Is he your king? I want to write an article for the Chronicle. They, they, they have me write an article every few weeks. And I want to write an article entitled, Has God Become Your Butler? Just, I don't know exactly how I'm going to do that just yet, but I've been thinking about it. Because too many of us, especially us Western Christians, we've made God our butler. He's not our king. He's not our Lord. So the title today is, The Kingdom of God is Like Weeds, Wheat, and Leaven. And uh, what we're doing is we're, we're continuing to look at what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. If you want to know what a kingdom is like, then you want to find out from the king of that kingdom. Do I have a slide for that, William? Well, isn't that something? I, I went brain dead. Well, maybe you can just hear it again. To continue... Looking at what Jesus says the kingdom of God is like. I want to understand what his kingdom is like. And to understand in some measure the world conditions. Now there's no way we with our finite minds can completely understand the world conditions. There's no way we can totally understand why people do what they do and when people do what they do. There's no way. But we can, from the Scripture, we can see in some measure and understand the world conditions. And one of the main uh, truths of this parable or these parables is to see followers of Jesus Christ as the investment of God into the world. Did you know you were an investment if you were a follower of Jesus Christ? I assume you are. You, God has made you an investment. You are his investment. Say, I'm an investment. Into the world. Isn't that great? So Jesus shows us this in this parable in Matthew 13. And I'm going to begin reading from verse 24. 
and then I'm going to skip to 36 after I get to 30. So if you if you could and don't mind if you'd stand while we read the scripture this morning, and I'm reading once again from the English Standard Version. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. By the way, Matthew almost always refers to the kingdom as the kingdom of heaven. And two or three places he'll mention the kingdom of God. The other writers will almost always mention the kingdom of God. The reason for that is Matthew was knew as he was writing his gospel that his target audience was going to be mostly Jewish people, Orthodox Jewish people, and so he would not use the name of God, which they did not, out of respect. So anyway, that's why we'll see kingdom of heaven over and over. Okay. Uh, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds, weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Verse 36. Excuse me. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Do you think Jesus could be any clearer there? You don't need a course in hermeneutics to figure that out. Okay? Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will, will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father, and he who has ears, let him hear. You may be seated. Well, we'll start by talking about the weeds and the wheat. Some of your Bibles there will say tares, T-A-R-E-S. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's the same thing. Uh, weeds or tares and the wheat and the the of course it says while his men while his men slept the enemy sowed the seed the bad seed now the 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 weeds in this most of probably just about all bible commentators scholars believe this was a weed called darnell or bearded darnell um it was a weedy Ryegrass that resembled wheat in its early stages of growth. I don't remember where I had that picture, William. It was it next or okay? Uh, and it it's a, it looks similar to wheat when they're growing side by side. Um, William Barclay says this about it. This is interesting, by the way. 
The grain of the bearded darnel is slightly poisonous. It causes dizziness and sickness and is narcotic in its effects. And even a small amount has a bitter and unpleasant taste. Now, just for a moment, as we talked last week, the natural comes first in the spiritual. Just for a moment, think about that he's using this as an allegory or an example of the seed being sown by the devil. The evil people, we're going to get to that. So I didn't know there were any evil people. You need to wake up. <laughs> but think about that Jesus is using this parable and the, the seed for the weeds, is it causes sickness and it's narcotic and it tastes bad. Okay, I hope that sinks in. And it's once these two grains reach maturity, then they are that you can tell the difference. They're easily distinguishable in maturity. They look different. While they're young, they look the same. But as they get grown, then you can tell the difference. And now you see that you have weeds being sown in the midst of the wheat. And, we, and it seems like this is a problem. Jesus makes it real clear that the field is the world. The field is the world. Uh, there's there's a certain amount of of uh, talk out there, not very much, that people have tried to make the field the church and say, well, there's bad people and good people in the church. And the truth is, uh, the true members of the church, I'm not talking about those who went forward and signed a piece of paper, but the true members of the church, and I'm not talking about Abundant Life Church, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, there are no There are no people that are the evil seed. So anyway, it's not the church Jesus is talking about. He says it. The field is the world. Let's say that together. The field is the world. We need to be clear on that. And he's talking about the world. He's using a natural example to teach us a spiritual lesson once again. And he makes it also clear that he himself is the sower. He says the son of man is sowing. And so we know that Jesus is the one doing the sowing. We know the field is the world. We know in uh, verse 24 in talking about the sower, it says he sowed good seed in his field. So Jesus is using again this example to teach us that the, the field rightfully belongs to the sower. And we know that the sower is Jesus Christ. Once again, we don't need hermeneutics to, to understand that. It's very clear. Jesus makes it very clear. And he says he's the one sowing the good seed. Into the field. Good seed. And then he makes it real clear. This is, this is probably the pivot point in this story. And that is his kingdom subjects. That's you. That's me. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, his kingdom subjects are seed sown by the sower. Think about that. Not just an investment. God's Kingdom people are seeds that he, the sower, has sown into the world. Think about it. That's you. That's me. We'll come back to that a little bit. In other words, he spreads his redeemed seed, his true followers of Jesus Christ, into the field of the world. And they bring with them righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, Romans fourteen seventeen, 
As sons of the kingdom, now let me just say, sons there is not gender specific. It's actually just a term that means a descendant. As a matter of fact, that term in the Greek text would have often been used for someone's animal. So it's not necessarily about boy, girl, man, woman. It's about a descendant. But sons of the kingdom, we are sown by God's initiative and by God's sovereignty. So he takes us, he redeems us, removes us from the kingdom of darkness, cleans us up, gives us righteousness of Jesus Christ, gives us a garment of righteousness from Jesus Christ, sends us on our way and sows us, S-O-W, us, into the field as seed. You say, well, why am I still here? Your, your seed. Uh, my mother, not long, you know, the last couple of years of her life, she she kept asking, she said, Larry, why am I still here? Joe, which was my daddy, she said, Joe's gone. He's been gone. I want to go. I want to go. I want to I go to heaven. Why am I still here? I said, Mama, all I can tell you is God's not done with you. She said, how, do you, how can you know that? I said, because I'm still looking at you. You're still here. And when you're, God's done with you, you'll be gone. And when God's done with you, you'll be gone. But until then, you are seed sown into the field, into the world. Let that sink in. Our, our entrance into God's kingdom is done by adoption. We're adopted into the very family of God. God takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and adopts us into his own family. We become his family through through adoption of the children of God. And so what we see here is that the kingdom of God and the seed from the kingdom of God exist alongside the realm of the evil one in the world. So we have two kingdoms. We have a kingdom of light, which is Jesus Christ. We have a kingdom of darkness, which is the devil. And those two kingdoms exist side by side. You say, why doesn't God clear out the kingdom of darkness? Just hold your tater. As little Jimmy Dickens used to say, take an old cold tater and wait. Somebody say, what? No, what is a little Jimmy Dickens? And anyway, I show my age. Until that time, we have the good seed and we have the evil seed. It coexisting in the world, in, in society, where we live, where we work, where we play. He said the seeds of the evil one are sown, and he makes it real clear, by the devil. By the way, this addresses why evil exists and is persistent in the world. Because God says, okay, the devil has sown evil seeds. Let's not uproot it. Let's leave it. And sometimes people who are followers of Jesus Christ and people who are not followers of Jesus Christ, sometimes they look alike. Sadly, sometimes that's true. Because we as followers of Jesus Christ act like them. We start acting like the world. And they say, well, I don't know so the difference there. What's the difference in your behavior? Oh, Lord, help me. 
trying to make this clear as much. I mean, clear. There is always a hostile power in the world seeking and waiting to destroy good seed. Always hostile power in the world looking to destroy good seed. By the way, last week as I was speaking, um, Brother Charles Simpson, my pastor, was watching. He may be today. Hello, Brother Charles. Uh, he made a comment on the Facebook page while I was speaking. He made several comments. You might want to go back and look at them. They were very good. I enjoyed it. But he said he made this comment on the comment section of the Facebook page. It says the enemy, he said the enemy is sowing, but too many Christians are not. The enemy is sowing. We can count on our enemy sowing his seed. And we look around the world and we see what we would call evil. In many cases, it is, in most cases, it is evil. And we look at the world. What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about? And it explains some things. It explains what we were just talking about with 40 days for life. Why is that even an issue? Because of the weeds. Because of the seed that has been sown by the devil. And when you see things happen in public life, when you see things happen in public policy, and you wonder why does that person want to do that? Why does that person want to stop them? Why does that person want to to cease that from happening? Why? It's because we have an enemy who has an agenda. Lord, help me. I put in my notes, the devil is a real entity, a fallen angel with a definite agenda. Why would I put that in there? Because there are, there are circles when people deny the existence of evil or deny the existence of Satan, that he's just a myth, that he's just somebody's imagination or he's a figment of our imagination. But the devil is a real entity who is a fallen angel who used to be in heaven in God's company and was excommunicated from heaven, took a third of heaven with him. And he has an agenda. And when you see things happen in our world, when you see things happen, you wonder, that is evil. Why can we allow that? Why did anybody want that to happen? It's because the devil has an agenda. And his agenda has never changed. Don't excuse me for preaching, but I got a license. (laughs) The seeds of the devil are rebels against God's kingly rule. Seeds of the devil are rebels against God's. In other words, the the prince of the air, the usurper, has garnered their allegiance. Now, before I'm done, you you just hang on because I know you're thinking I'm going, well, I need to get mad at these people. I'm mad at these evil people. All right, hang on. We wrestle not. Against flesh and blood. We gotta remember our fight, our problems is not with flesh and blood. 
Now, there's sometimes you have to deal with flesh and blood people, but the real issue, even when a people is doing it, the real issue is what's behind the people. And what's behind the people is an evil agenda by an evil devil, Satan. Now, I'm, I didn't... Psalm 2, I've read this before. Uh, I'm just going to read it to you and... Uh, If they put it in this Bible, I'm pretty sure it's in here somewhere. But when we talk about the the world and we talk about there being an agenda in our world, listen to this agenda. The, The psalmist says, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth... That's the world and the world system. That's the seeds of the devil. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together. Watch this. Against the Lord and against his anointed. Capital A. Who is that? It's the Lord Jesus. They say, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Let us remove the restraints that God puts on. Does God put restraints on us? Well, he does in the sense of boundaries. He says that this, in, within these boundaries, you are going to live a healthy life. But when you get outside of these boundaries, you're going to find an unhealthy life. And who knows better than as the old TV show, Father Knows Best. I need to find newer examples. People say, what in the world is that? Let us cast off their restraints. Let us break the fetters. We don't want God telling us what we can and cannot do. That's what the world system says. And behind the world system is the devil sowing his seeds in the world. Now, here's what you don't want to hear if you're those people. He who sits in the heavens laughs. You don't want God laughing at you. Not that kind of laugh. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. And he says, I have set my king, capital K, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. There's the world system. There's the agenda. But you see, you can't say, well, those nasty kings, those dirty people. What you got to say is there's a devil who is sowing evil seeds. He has sown evil seeds and he is sowing evil seeds. Why does the world look like it does? Jesus gives us this parable so we'll see that. There's also a part of the message in this or a good part of the message in this parable is there is a day coming. There is a day coming. There is a day of consummation. There is a day of completion. There is a day, Jesus said, one of these days, in the parable, one of these days, the harvest is going to happen. And I'm going to say, take the weeds first, cast them into outer darkness, and then collect the good seed. Collect the wheat. Now, here's where we got to be careful, saints. You can't start wagging that finger. Your day's coming, especially for these political issues that you have problems with. Somebody with initials NP or or 
at KH or several of them. Like, you can't be wagging your finger to, finger to these people. Your day's coming. No. No, that's a sad thing that their day is coming. But the truth is, there's a day coming. There's a day coming when all of this ends, when all this comes to a close, when the, when the coexistence of evil and righteousness will no longer be. He said, well, that'll be a great day. Absolutely, it'll be a great day. It'll be a great day. And we have to understand that as we look at this and we look at, at the seeds of evil and the, the good seed coexisting in our world, you don't have to go very far, even in the Bible Belt, to find that, that there's that's true. We have to understand that it is God alone, everybody say alone, who can discern the good and the bad heart. Somebody says, do you think so-and-so was a Christian before they died? I have no way of knowing. And you don't either. Unless you were there and they confessed Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know for a fact that they gave their heart to him. But you can't, you have to go by what they tell you. You can't see their heart. I can't see their heart. Only God can determine who has a bad heart and a good heart. I'm not talking about physical. And then I wrote this down. Actually, I wrote it down some time ago, but I still use it because anyway, it just is it possible? Listen, is it possible that there are those in the church who are spending their days trying to uproot the tares rather than dispensing the seed inherent in the divine nature? The word of the kingdom. You, you don't get rid of evil by going with your, sh- with your shovel and digging it up. You get rid of evil by sowing the seeds that changes the evil into righteousness. That's how you do it. You, you, you know, you can try to remove it. You can try to vote it. You can do any way you want to try. But until you change the hearts of men and women, you're not making any real change. Now, I'm not done yet. I still got 25 minutes according to this. And think about this, that all of society is, is, uh, there's reproduction. Somebody, uh, David Phillips reminded me a few weeks ago uh, of a, of a quote that said, you can, you can count how many seeds are in an apple but you can't count how many apples are in a seed. It's exponential. And you and I, because we're the seeds of the kingdom that Jesus Christ has sown into the world, you are his investment. Try to make sure he gets a good return on his investment. We are his investment in the world. So what, as Brother Charles said, the enemy's doing a lot of sowing, but most Christians are not. That doesn't mean that's a permanent condition either. So, you know, we've been talking for several weeks about the kingdom. We talked uh, two or three weeks ago about the seed of the kingdom. You put all of this together, and here we are sitting in a society, sitting in a world surrounded by evil but also surrounded by righteousness. And then the final thing we'll talk about is the leaven. Real brief. 
or yeast. Some of your Bibles will say yeast. And it's verse 33 of chapter 13 says, He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened or yeast. You could say yeast and worked it in. And it becomes part of it. 1 Corinthians 5 says, Don't you know that a little yeast permeates the whole batch of dough? Now, in that context, they're talking about a bad yeast that causes the whole dough. But, you know, the opposite is possible, that you put good yeast into something, and it causes the whole lump of dough to become whatever it, wherever it started. We're talking about yeast. We're talking about leaven. You, not only are you the seed of the kingdom of God, you and I are the leaven. We're the yeast that God has put into the world. What seems small and insignificant will increase and permeate. What seems like nothing is we work it into the dough, and I, you know, I'm not a baker. It becomes larger and larger and it permeates the whole lump of dough. And whatever you have inserted into that lump, that's what that lump of dough becomes. I hope you're seeing this. And just as the, this lady hid the leaven in the meal, God has hidden his kingdom, that's you, that's me, inside another society. And the ultimate purpose is that we would permeate it with the glory of his kingdom. Just like the natural yeast permeates the lump of dough, he's put his kingdom inside another society and and. The goal is that he would work us into this lump of society to such a degree that we see the glory of God's kingdom in the earth. <laughs> and we have to understand this, that God changes our hearts from within and that results in external results. We deal too much in externalism. We want to cause adjustments in the externals, thinking that's permanent. But if we see adjustments in the heart, God deals with our hearts, and that causes the externals to be adjusted. Followers of Jesus Christ within the culture act as agents of change. Slowly transforming the culture from within by sowing the seed of the kingdom. So you see, not only are we sown into the, into the world, he's transforming the culture by our sowing the seed of which we are made up. You want to go back to the apple. You want an apple tree, you take the apple seed from the apple. You put it in the ground, it makes a lot more apples. Same thing happens in the kingdom of God. You want to see more people in the kingdom of God? You take the seed of which you, you possess and you invest that in someone's heart. And if it's good ground, as we talked about a few weeks ago and a couple of more of the, of the messages, if all of that happens, then you have produced seed for the kingdom of God. And then they, then they can share the seed that's in them. The seed is the word of God. 
The seed is the gospel. The effect of all this is basically comprehensive because he said in verse 33, he said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like 11 that a woman took, hid in three measures of flour till it was all, I'll say, everybody say all, leavened, till it was all leavened. It's comprehensive. There's a verse in Habakkuk that says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. There's a verse in Isaiah that says the the glory of God is throughout the, fills the whole earth. Absolutely true that the glory of God fills the whole earth. The whole earth is filled with glory. But watch the difference in Habakkuk. The glory of God fills the earth. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory. How does that happen? Kingdom seed, planting and sowing our seed. The nature of yeast or leaven is to change whatever it touches, whatever it comes in contact with. God's grace grows and changes us from the inside out. And as the gospel transforms lives, there is an influence in the world. As the gospel transforms people's hearts There's an influence that comes into the world that we live. So our mission is to sow the seed and let the inherent power of that seed produce. Remember that small beginnings result in large impact. So, well, I'm just a, I'm just a wee little old me over here in the corner. I can't do much. It's a little seed. We're not dealing with the mustard seed parable today, but the mustard seed is so small you can barely see it. It's just a speck. But it says it makes a tree that's so big all the birds of the air can take shelter in it. Don't, do not discount your value as a seed of God in the king, of the kingdom in the world. Do not discount your value, your importance, or your impact. I have, I have many times, uh, told the story of the, the lady in Acts. Her Jewish name is, I get them backwards, Tabitha Dorcas, which one? But she died in, in the city and they called Peter in to raise her from the dead because she was so important to that city. It was so important. They were in such an uproar. They had to get, go get Peter. What did she do? Was she a, was she this big evangelist that was on TV? Was she, did she write books that were on the New York Times bestseller list? Did she even travel with the apostles? She made garments. She made cloaks for the people in the village. That's all she did. She made nice cloaks for the people in the village. And yet, when she died, such an uproar. And, of course, in that instance, Peter did raise her from the dead. So she could make some more cloaks. You see my point? I don't want you to discount your worth because you don't have letters behind your name or because you're not in, you know, some position. If, if you're breathing, you got the seed. So let this miracle bearing seed transform us 
into the image of Jesus Christ. For it's that image which people are attracted to. Would you agree? Stand with me.